This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Bijou Podcasts. Welcome to episode 15 of the Stacey June Show. Today's guest is tech whiz Lambros Fotios, and he has done some investigating on whether or not dating apps are actually helping us meet our match. I'm Stacey Jean. Hello. I want to help you find your inner spark. And I promise you, this podcast is going to be so much more than a motivational meme. By sharing the teachings and lessons I've learned on my path to spiritual and personal growth, you too can connect with your true self and become the most honest, worthy, and powerful version of yourself you can be. This podcast is going to be about connecting with others and reconnecting you with yourself learning to enjoy the good stuff in the moment, the lessons in the hard stuff, which is often where they live, and to always find the funny in the fucked. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's very, very, very good to have you here. I'm so excited to talk to Lambros today. It is a bit of a random chat. Um, I was sent a piece of information, an article, in fact, that he wrote for his company, Station 5, and that website is station5.com. It's a, a tech company, and I find, I've always found tech incredibly fascinating. I find anything that is innovative or progressive interesting, and that, and that comes really very solidly through my social values and the way that I live my life. But that wouldn't then exclude things like tech because obviously tech and entrepreneurs and people that are trying to see something that's happened uh, or could happen before it's actually happened are, in my book, the most fascinating kind of people, kinds of people. So when we were offered a chat with Lambros, I jumped at it because this man not only has an incredible background in tech startups and has created a company helping people build their ideas as well from his expertise, but he's also a single man. And what you'll realize from this chat with him today is that he has this real ability, this real millennial ability to be able to kind of put a social conversation around his own life and his friends' lives into the work that he's doing day in and day out. He has started his own podcast as well, which is super exciting. And I'll chuck that in show notes in case you're interested after you hear him talk on this show. But the conversation that we wanted to really focus on today was dating and how tech now plays a part in our dating lives. As most of you know, I'm obsessed with relationships and dating conversations. I've started a whole entire brand called Single Pringle. I'm writing a book and I offer single uh, single people workshops at stacyjune.com. 
all because I feel like this part of our life has been written and really put in a way or, or kind of given us it's been given us we've been given a script that says how this part of our life will go and I'm really fascinated and curious about what we could do to make it more more in line for where we are at who we are how to make it work and I think dating apps are able to really unlock some of that power with that we have within ourselves rather than following this real traditional ABC path which obviously doesn't work for everyone but can we trust the, the people behind the apps? Can we trust the dating algorithms? Can we trust the technology like we have so quickly jumped in and done? I was a massive dating app uh, user. I was on and off that in my five years of being the bulk of my time being single when apps were around. And, you know, I never really thought about the questions that we raise in this chat. I never thought about whether there's an algorithm behind it that makes me stay on the app more, whether there is a real intention behind Behind these apps and these companies wanting to meet like wanting me to meet someone in real life do they want me to stay conversing on their their app there's just some really interesting conversations and I think apps and dating apps really make and play a very big part in our dating world and I think that they've empowered us to be able to do a lot of things that we weren't able to do before but I what I find really interesting from the conversation I have with Lambros is educating us on the full picture and making sure that no matter what we no matter what we do in our lives, whether it's dating, whether it's our health, whether it's our, you know, our own self-care work, that we're educated enough to be able to make all the right moves and have the right relationship with different things in our lives that work for us. So there is, this is no um, pro or anti-dating apps. It's just a pure conversation from a tech element as to how they're built, what they're built around and, and things to consider when you, the user, are behind these particular, these particular pieces of technology. How how can you exploit it and make it work for you? Uh, so enjoy this chat I had with Lambros. I have become very fond with Lambros after um, this interview. He's a really great guy. He's single um, and and hopefully is helping me go through a bit of a, a tech journey of my own if I actually start to put in some of the work that I have to do. Um, but that's for another conversation. But for now, enjoy this conversation about dating and technology with Lambros Fotios. Hey, Lambros. Hey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. No worries. I am a, I guess it's funny because I'm married now. So the fact that I'm still obsessed with dating is, I don't know if it's counterproductive and it might be offensive to my current husband, but I am. I'm obsessed with dating. I'm obsessed with the psychology of it and I'm obsessed with where it's moved from ye old times to our modern world. Yeah, for sure. Um, and your article that you wrote for your company's website, the blogs at Station 5, was something that came across my inbox and I thought, oh my God. I'm an information person, but I really was just completely fascinated by the fact that we obsess and analyse dating apps and obsess over the fact that our culture has changed into this this place of finding love and meeting each other online or in a phone, essentially. But yet we know so little about the way that they are essentially programming us or set to have us act out certain behaviour. Yeah. 
And so when you wrote this, tell me a little bit about where you began from. Like what's kind of the thing going, I need to actually explain a few things behind what goes down behind the scenes or in the tech behind some of these dating apps. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's interesting because um, I'm not on any of the dating apps at the moment, but being a tech person or someone who's in the industry, naturally I was, um, you know, having a bit of a kind of writer's block one morning and thought to myself, well, what is something that people really kind of need to know more about, but they're not really across um, how the world is. And naturally, you know, we've all come across the dating apps. Um, maybe not yourself just yet. Uh, oh, no, no. A- I was single for a very, very long time. <laughs> and I've, I'm still really, really analysing those days even because yeah. you can kind of stand back and look in hindsight. Oh, my God, I was on off, on off, on off the apps. It was like this broken record relationship I had with them. I would download them, delete them, download them, delete them. It's a really volatile relationship. Yeah, exactly. Now, for me, it's been six months. It's the driest period I've ever had. Right. So I think I'm doing all right. Um, but yeah, so on the, um, yeah, so obviously running a tech business, it's completely different to kind of dating, but it's not different to apps. So naturally kind mm. of looking at, wait a second, how these, how these apps are working and why is it that you kind of hear all these stories of people who have to just plug away endlessly at meeting up with people or even just matching with everyone and seeing which lines work, like what they can get to kind of stick with people and, and eventually get that date that they want. And then eventually it all kind of crumbles. Right. Yeah. Um, so it kind of got me thinking about, well, how are the, how are the dating companies actually like how are the dating apps actually getting people together? Like how are they um, linking people up? And then mm. that kind of created, yeah, the article. So how are they? And, and are they different dependent on which app you download? Yeah, sure. So obviously you set the criteria, right? So yeah. are you um, are you after a male or a female or both? Um, what kind of age bracket are you into, mm-hmm. and, and what's the distance that you're willing to willing to drive? Which is so it's such a bizarre question. No, it isn't is. It? It's like how far will you go? <laughs> yeah, it's like if, if if the right guy is living in Tokyo, then I suppose I'm going You'll to Tokyo. Know. Well, but yeah. I won't because it won't let me go to Tokyo. Yeah. But it's already interesting in that you think that if you do what is it, 200 kilometers or something is the maximum, that you're really putting yourself out there, and all of these weird options start to reflect how open you are to the situation yeah it makes it really daunting because you're like you're, you're kind of going through the criteria and you're thinking i'm a little bit too desperate for this why don't i just go out and kind of meet people but you just give into it you see photos and you, you know it starts with it starts as fun but then before you know it you're kind of hooked to the apps and, and i feel like it can also be quite uh, it can be quite exposing to where you are in the dating game when you go back into the settings and you start going all right, maybe I'll go a bit younger. So maybe I'll start at 24 (laughs) and then I'll push this over to 45 and it might open up my range. And all of a sudden these specifications are so specific but then also are so reflective of of where we're at personally. Yeah, exactly. It's a bizarre kind of way to check yourself, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's not just like checking yourself. It's also you just completely um, open the boundaries of like what you're willing to settle for. If there's something that you would never settle for out there in the real world, you're suddenly thinking, well, I might as well just see what's out there. Exactly. And it's interesting as well when you are quite specific on what you want. So for example, uh, my girlfriend is very keen on having a family, yet she's so happy sleeping and dating 25-year-olds. Not saying all 25-year-olds aren't ready to settle down, but the ones that she's meeting are not. And it is interesting that we can ignore so many of our own personal philosophies or needs on apps because somehow we kind of have got this idea that they're like Instagram or not real to some degree. You know what I mean? So yeah, they're very like superficial. Yeah. So then we ignore actually what our needs are and are more worried about getting matches as yeah. opposed to 
actually fulfilling what we desire. But it's a huge numbers game, right? Like it's not about I saw this person's photo and we, you know, our eyes locked at first glance and we just knew we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. It's this person looked decent. I'd go there, swipe right, or if not, swipe left and then try and drop a one-liner that'll, you know, get them to actually respond. Yeah, or swipe right because I haven't had many matches today. Yeah. I mean, is that the foundation of a great relationship? But look, it, you know, a lot of people do have success on these apps. But going back to, I suppose, what goes on behind the scenes and when somebody is or has created the tech behind uh, behind these apps, what is involved? Well, in terms of the matching, it's mm-hmm. it's completely random. So there's no, like obviously within the criteria, but there's no, the apps aren't doing work in the background to try and figure out who's the best person for you. In fact, if you really think about it from like a business point of view, if you analyze it from that standpoint, which is ultimately what the companies like well, Tinder and Bumble are. They are businesses. They are yeah. businesses yeah. and that they yeah. do need money to keep functioning. That's right. The reality is, is that they make more money if there are more people on the app. So it's in their best interest for you not to find someone. As daunting as that is, well, well, think about it, right? So, like, if you've got, if you've got, um, if you've got a company like Tinder, and mm-hmm. they're collecting a monthly fee for people who are paying paying for like the gold version, mm-hmm. which I am not, mm-hmm. um, but if you've got people who are paying for the gold version, obviously they're bringing more money into the company, and that's mm-hmm. their kind of primary mechanism for 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 revenue. Mm. And so naturally, they need to they need to maximize the number of people doing that, and to do that, they it's it's technically in their best interest for people to stay single because they stay on the app. So how do they do from a, a tech perspective to encourage you? essentially not to meet someone or to stay on it. I don't think it's that they're encouraging you not to meet someone. I think that they could be doing more to make sure you met the right person. And right. that's the dark side they, to it. Because they have so much information. They have so much information. They know what you're, who you're swiping right for. There are technologies that exist now in the kind of artificial intelligence space, which mm-hmm. I won't get too deep into. But I am interested to but give we, us a little yeah. bit of surface so we can at least sound like we're smarter than we are. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so there are, there are two kind of main areas where the artificial, the artificial intelligence or AI will kind of come into could come into place okay the first is that and you've seen this on your iphone if you've got the iphone x you can kind of scan your face and that logs you in freaky yeah freaky yeah. awesome yeah. But, but happening freaky. happening yeah. yeah 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 so the whole idea there is that the ai is able to kind of analyze someone's face and um remember what they look like based on facial structure and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and that same sort of technology could and i know this is going to sound scary but mm-hmm. people have done it they just haven't published it mm-hmm. people could be using that or companies could be using that to understand what you as a person are swiping right for. So what sort of looks you're into. The systems can learn that sort of behavior and then start to kind of get a bit of a grasp of what is this person's type. Mm. And so they're not using that to kind of feed through to you people who you're genuinely kind of attracted to. It's more so just completely random. Right. So so when you wrote and just recent and just said that it is really a random thing, I would have thought that that's actually quite a positive because it's like, well, that's how it is in real life. I suppose in IRL, we're uh, randomly meeting someone at a bar, but you're saying that in actually it could be the flip side of that, that the more random it is, the more unlikely it is for you to meet someone, or maybe not unlikely, but you've got, you've got it. They've got an opportunity to make it easier than they are. Yeah, and it's not just that. And I'm going to take it one step further, but mm-hmm. not not too deep with the AI stuff. But there's a second. So that's facial recognition, mm-hmm. which is part of AI. A mm-hmm. secondary is called natural language processing, or NLP. What natural language processing does is it analyzes text that people write. So it literally analyzes communication, right? And it can govern from that 
the kind of sentiment of the conversation. Was it positive? Was it negative? How does this person write? So you can actually learn about Fuck buddy relationship. Like- yeah, the systems, like say Tinder systems could learn about kind of this is how the way that this is the way that this person writes and therefore we know that they just want they want a relationship or they just want you know something casual Mm -hmm. so the systems would be capable of kind of learning that by analyzing the private messages between you and people who you match up with right they could learn that yeah right and do you think that there's a demand for them to be accountable for anything or do you think that everybody is really happy just to go along with uh getting a match and not and people aren't really questioning this type of stuff at this point I don't know if they're, I don't think they're questioning it because I think people kind of turn to the apps to just like start off by having fun and then it turns into more, right? But um, that is, there is that kind of whole ethics question. Like, do they, do they, do people kind of deserve having, um, like having the app do the hard work for them and match them with the right people? Like, is there kind of, is there a kind of an ethical obligation? I don't think so, but um, there is that kind of natural question of they could be doing more and it's unfortunate they're not because the people who really want to find the right person for them maybe. Um, would find it a lot easier. Well, it's interesting because I did have a bit of a scope around into the pros and cons, and I knew that we were going to be speaking not so much about the cons, but some some realities that I suppose many of us hadn't considered. And I did some research, and and a lot of people, and I'm hoping it's not necessarily Tinder press releases because it, it I did see it on news.com.au, so it could have come from anywhere. But that's the source, and it's sa- it's saying that there has been proof and in statistics that there's more interracial relationships, which I I 100% can understand. Yeah. There's no way in hell I was meeting the kinds of people I was meeting on apps in my day-to-day life. The yoga studio, at the pubs I was going to, in the areas that I lived. It, it And it wasn't that, you know, I mean, yeah, I live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. You know, there is multiculturalism exists in our country, but there are particular parts of our society or pockets of us that we just kind of breed the same stuff, which to be honest, I hate. And I think about raising kids in that environment and it makes me feel a bit sick because... it's not really what Australia is about. No. And so you can find yourself really just kind of just following the paces in a very similar situation day in and day out. And so the app for me, and when I was on apps... You know, I was meeting all kinds of people, people that were traveling, people that were of different race, people that were a different color and dating them and and exploring with them, whether it was dating or sexually or whatever. And it was opening up a whole different world. So I do agree with that perspective. And they also say that, which I found quite interesting about this, and I'd like to get your take on it, that potentially married couples that meet on, well, they're saying it's not potentially, they're saying that married couples that meet online are more likely to stay together longer than married couples that are meeting in person these days. Yeah, right. That's that's one you've thrown from left field. Um, yeah, it, cool. it's interesting, it's right? It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, do you agree with it? Well, is there a psychology behind this form of negotiation or um, I suppose specification setting that we have to have or the, the types of considerations we have in technology that then allows us to almost think of it more um, analytically and, and we kind of get this more computer brain essentially about the situation as opposed to meeting someone getting really excited in, per, in real life and then rushing in I don't know I'm not sure but but maybe there is something in the way that we approach dating through apps that is making a part of our brain consider options that we might not 
meeting someone in person. Yeah, I think there's a bit of that. And there'd probably also be a bit of um, kind of finding someone who's uh, kind of has the qualities from kind of, I guess, similarities and things like that. So I think when you're out there kind of at a pub and you meet someone, there's it's generally based on kind of like a lot of chemistry and attract mm. like physical attraction. And it's quick, right? You it's kind really of feel like that force. Yeah. And then yeah, three yeah. months later, you're like, what the hell am I mm. doing? Um, but you know, on the flip side of that, if you're, if you're meeting someone on say an app or a website, I think the websites are actually, some of them are pretty solid Yeah. because what they do is they look at kind of what people's interests are and they look at, they ask you kind of how adventurous you are and those sorts of questions. And I think that when they match people up on that basis, then at least, you know, that when you meet the person on the other end, you've already got a bunch of things in common. Mm. And I think that would probably lend itself to, I guess, kind of commonalities from the start that are pretty positive where meeting someone at a pub, for instance, um, you know, as I said, you could turn around three months down the track and not know how you ended up there. And, and not to yeah. mention trying to make that 25 year old want a baby. It, when if you were online, you could have ticked once a family and you might not have ever been matched with that 25 year old because he didn't tick the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting how much time you waste putting into relationships to try and, I guess, even up those uh, needs or values that potentially you don't have to even consider if you've already ticked a box on a website that you've signed up yeah. to. Which which honestly could take something like, um, you know, Tinder or Bumble. It could take it to that whole kind of other level because at least you're not getting matched with someone who, if you want something serious, they just want to fling, right? So yeah. that's, that's also kind but of... But I, yeah. I think now that I think about it though, that statistic it sounds like it lends itself more generously to online as in websites as opposed to apps. Yeah. Because I feel like those types of considerations are quite minimal on apps. You're like... Oh, you don't put time age. into it. Yeah, yeah you know, and you're age uh like gender the end like it's quite a big it's quite a big pool of people when you say you're off the apps personally what what's been the kind of on them off them relationship that you've had and why my why relationship the, with the apps yes why the oh, break Jesus. all righty we're going there <laughs> um yeah so yeah i've been off for probably about six months or so mm-hmm. Um, completely deleted them, refused to open them again. I think I've done all right. Uh, we'll see how long I last, but I think I've done well thus far. Yeah, right. It's been, look, it's nice kind of going out and kind of meeting people through friends and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think they both have their kind of pros and cons. I just mm. didn't like the amount of effort that kind of went into like an app that where a relationship could kind of go nowhere. It could completely fizzle on an app and you could never meet each other. Mm. And you could be trying so hard and pulling oh. your hair out just to kind of say the right things to end up meeting up with someone. Because the thing is, it's a numbers game. So everyone's inbox is kind of flooded with messages. Yeah. Except mine. Um, <laughs> but it's that, natural kind of, it's that natural kind of thing that pops up. Like people want to, people want to go out there and meet people. But at that point, I feel like you put so much energy and effort into just kind of matching with people that it takes the kind of fun out of dating mm. in some respects. Mm. Um, if you could go straight to just like the dating part, which tends to happen if you get like an introduction from a friend or you meet someone out, it makes it more exciting. It's more about kind of being on the edge and and kind of, you know, forcing yourself to do something, but getting those kind of butterflies in your stomach and all that, which I think is really real. And, and important, kind of, right? Yeah, Important yeah. in the process. I think technology has encouraged us to not take risk, which mm. I think is part of the problem. We want these relationships that are like Nan and Pop that's lasted 75 years, but yet we're not willing to go out on the second day of messaging because it's too risky because yeah. I don't really know him. It is interesting. I write, um, it's not so much a dating blog, but I write a wellness blog for singles, which is the idea is to stop wishing away your single life and really try and control as much as you can control in a very uncontrollable situation because a lot of people don't want to be single but there are parts of that time that you can actually you know 
take full grip of the steering wheel a little bit more than people do. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is that there are ways to manipulate the apps, like the example you've used is that if, and my, I've written a blog on this, that if you don't meet someone within three days of messaging them, delete. I just think that it is such a crazy thing for you to start texting and getting invested into this cyber relationship three weeks in who you've never met in person. And I think to some degree, we need to take ownership of our own behavior from that perspective. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to set kind of, I have heard the circumstances of kind of people setting too many, too many hard and fast rules and they've Mm. kind of tracked the whole dating process Mm. literally in things like spreadsheets with, I don't know if you've got friends like this, but there are a couple of Oh my God, do tell. No, I don't know anybody with a dating spreadsheet. So please share. So the whole kind of concept is you've kind of got a spreadsheet, you match with people, they go into the spreadsheet and then you'll kind of test different, you know, pickup lines or opening introductions and then assess how they perform against a bunch of kind of different people. Someone's done this that you know? Uh, More than one. What? What? You're old. Are they tech people like you? No, no, no. Really? No. Just kind of analytical? Funnily enough, not tech people, just analytical, yeah. Right. And so what, what do they do with the information? Well, no, they, they're just effectively, they're not, they're not you know, keeping a log of every girl they've ever spoken to, But and I am talking about guys because I don't know any women who do this. <laughs> well, either do I. Yeah. But um, no, so the whole idea is kind of have, have, a, have a list of everyone you've kind of spoken to and then... Um, kind of link up all the kind of initial, like, you know, the pickup lines you use as your kind of welcome or your intro Mm. and then see which one's kind of got a good response. Like how many people responded to this versus just, you know, not going anywhere with a conversation at all. So they track that and then work out which are the best kind of pickup lines and then use that to then kind of work out which ones they should use moving forward. It sounds very millennial, very um, <laughs> robotic. It's very robotic. It's very kind of, it's all analytical. And there's the problem is that it completely rules out, you know, looking at someone's photo and commenting on kind of something interesting in the photo and keeping it organic. It's all kind of, let's just maximize numbers. So it's, it's also a bit of a dark side to it all. I think so too. And actually the newsletter that I wrote today um, I wrote about how we spend so much time analysing other people's decisions about us and very rarely stop and ask ourselves what our gut feeling or our thoughts are on them. So for those particular friends that you've just described, they're like basically need to subscribe to this newsletter because I'm like they are spending so much time analysing what the other people think and say as opposed to using their own kind of intuition or feeling or attraction even if it is a photo some form of something coming from themselves and often we just forget to ask ourselves what we think and it becomes more of a game to try and see if they'll get to like us yeah exactly I've actually got I've actually came up with something I wasn't going to bring it up Stacey but I had this idea about three weeks ago Mm -hmm. and I want to challenge your listeners and you can you can hear it out first and tell me if you give it the green tick or the red cross. What is it? An app idea? No, no, not an app idea. It's something that I, I would really like for people to try. I haven't tried it personally, okay. but it is It is definitely the next time I make it this far through dating someone, I will try. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think third date might be a bit premature, but maybe fifth or seventh or tenth or something. The tenth? Whole, that's you, like, that's cool. You've got to be in a relationship by tenth. Well, the whole idea of this is to learn more about someone. Okay. And so I'm just going to precursor with that. Okay. And then I'm going to explain the justification. Okay. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The whole challenge is go on a date with someone, yeah. have two things set out, like a dinner and a drinks, right? And that's just effectively what the plan for the night is. Okay. So the whole idea is during the dinner, only one of you are allowed to talk the whole time. What? And during, during drinks... Do you tell the other person this is the game? You oh. tell them beforehand. You don't just stop talking. That'd be really weird. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so it's like a right. Then now I understand why you need to do it. Maybe on the fifth day. Yeah, you yeah, couldn't do this yeah, as yeah. the first day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you'd be like, thing ever. what the hell? Yeah. Okay, this so, guy's a control freak. All right. So on the dinner, one of you talk. On the at the drinks, the other. So the whole idea is you switch roles halfway through. Right. But here's my justification. The first thing is it'd be really fun, kind of ordering for someone else at the dinner table because yeah. every time you say the name of a dish or the name of a drink, you're assessing kind of their facial reaction, like their body language. And that helps you kind of learn more about the way that they express themselves, which Uh is really valuable. Uh But then if you're forced to listen to someone for like an hour or two over dinner, you're not thinking about, oh, what's the next thing I'm going to say to impress this person? You're thinking purely around, okay, um, what is this, you know, what is this person trying to tell me? And you're learning more about that person. And it gives you an opportunity to really hear who they are, what they do and learn about them. That's re- and, and that does tie in quite nicely to what I was saying earlier is that you've got this ability to, um, I like it. I like it a lot. You've got this does ability. Does it get the green tick Yeah, well, it does. Because right, I think cool. that it's, it comes from a place of you getting out of your own head and analysing the situation as opposed to being present in the situation, right? It yeah. kind of forces your feet on the ground to be there. And I love a game. Everything just gets so fucking sterile, you know, where it becomes dates can be sterile. And it's really interesting and nice to if somebody had sat down and said that to me, maybe even on the third date and said, I've heard this idea. I don't know if you'd be up for it, but I'm just going to give it a go. Um, We'll go for a drink after this and we'll sit here for, you know, maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes and we'll go for a drink and do the same time Mm. where, as you said, one of us speaks and one of us doesn't and we swap. I would be like confronted, but then. Yes. Thank God someone has actually shown some concern to try and figure out whether this has foundations and is genuine and not just this over-analysis of the external stuff a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. And it, was, it came out of, I remember there was, um, there, was a, there was a study I was reading where most of the time when someone's met someone in the early stages of like a relationship, mm-hmm. most of the reason you're listening is to work out what to say next. Mm. And I hated that idea because you're not listening because you're genuinely curious. Like you may mm. be, and you may digest that information, but at the end of the day, when you're, when you're meeting someone for the first time, you want to be genuinely interested in what they have to say. And if you're constantly thinking about what am I going to say next to impress them, mm. which is what you're doing in the first few dates, mm. then it's, I just feel like the, the genuine element to it disappears. And this kind of maybe brings a bit of it back. Yeah. This could be relationship advice too. Cause I was just thinking, I'm no Richard Mercer, so no. I'm going to quieten down. No, but 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 I, my partner often says this. He's like, let me finish to the end of what I've said before you're retaliating with whatever I've said halfway through it. And I'm like, oh, God, am I guilty of this? But it's true, this? right? We all yeah, do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, that is me. And I think he said this three days ago where he's like, can I just finish my sentence without 
you already thinking about what you've said from the halfway through my sentence. Yeah. Because then the second half of the sentence I've completely not listened to, waiting for a time to then weigh in. It's yeah, exactly. really true. It is really true. I think that's because often, I don't know if this is going too deep, but that's what this podcast is essentially, is that we often feel a bit unheard. Mm. I don't think... We consume so much, we're watching and we're living through a scroll, right? So everything is a scroll and it's just bang, bang, bang. So even if you are posting videos online or you're doing a story where you're speaking to the camera, there's so many different ways for you to speak and so many ways for people to listen, but there's so much consumption that I don't think any of that is being done to the way that I suppose we all need yeah, and I think, like, yeah, you don't really... People just don't, as you were saying before, like, people don't listen much anymore unless it's literally, like, a podcast or a seminar or something. Mm. Most of the time, people are just listening to know what they should say next. Yeah. Which is a little bit selfish too, right? Because if you're listening Massively. to a podcast, it's so self-indulgent, which, hello, great, yes. Yeah. I'm a podcast listener and a podcaster. Um, and But it's true because we're trying to be our best selves. We're trying to improve ourselves. It's not necessarily to always listen to someone else's take. So when it comes to living in a life of, I suppose, an understanding of tech in a different way than the average consumer. What do you think are the pros and cons of being aware of what is happening behind a lot of these apps or a lot of this technology that we're all consuming without really questioning anything? Yeah, I think like obviously you're putting a tremendous amount of kind of information out there and that's going into the hands of like companies like Facebook and you know, that's all kind of, that information's all kind of getting digested by them. But that, I mean, like, that's any system, right? Whether Mm. it was emails or whatever, like, you're always going to be giving information up of your own and people are becoming very okay with that. Mm. I think the part that's quite daunting is that you can learn about someone so much before you even meet up with them. And this isn't something that you need to be in tech to know, but the reality is I think in tech you realise how many places people put their information and don't realise. And it's another dark side to it all is that people ultimately don't, kind of go out there on a second or third date, not still knowing only what they knew from the first and second date. They go out there having now done their research, looked at kind of LinkedIn to see what, where they're working, look at Facebook and Instagram to see what they get up to on the weekend, who their friends are, all that kind of stuff. And by that point, it's a very like impeded kind of dating experience where mm. um, you've got all this information that like our parents just wouldn't have had, mm. you know, with kind of old school dating. So, mm. yeah. It's interesting. I've got um, a bit of a quote in my meditation room that says, let 2019 unfold in front of you as opposed to go digging because yeah, I'm a it. digger right yeah. and I'm a broadcast I'm a producer I go I'm a journal essentially a journalist without the news part but I dig and I always have been like that even before the do internet. you map out your whole year ahead of you normally um I wouldn't say the whole year but I've got some clear goals yeah. and I don't mean goals in climb the biggest mountain for me now at, at this point of my life I'm very much have goals about uh, being a better person, to be honest. Yeah, right. I've done the big career, um, the big career ambition, uh, dedication, I suppose, and and that real dedicated decade of my life to my career. Um, and whilst it put me in a great position, I certainly have just found myself over the past twelve months having very different uh, values, I guess, or the same values and living more truly to them, I suppose. And so I, I, I think that's where a lot of my goals are is now built around more, uh, virtue. Um, it sounds wanky, but that's the truth. But the unfolding bit's really interesting because that is a really, it's kind of a key lesson that I think we've lost with dating too, is that there's no live in the moment and there's no unfolding. Yeah. You know, there is no, 
space for anybody to surprise you, Mm. which is so stunning. You know, I met my man, uh, we were set up. And I was a bit like you. I would never really liked apps. I always appreciated what they offered. I really did because I thought, like I said, I had all of these different experiences because of dating apps that I wouldn't have had if I if I had have just stuck to the same kind of pubs. And as a woman that was working ridiculous hours and on a night show for a majority of my single life, there wasn't a whole lot of time you made it to really get tough out. For yeah. yeah. So apps, in some way, were quite helpful. And mm. I think a lot of um, a lot of people our age or chicks as well will find that all of a sudden their mums weren't necessarily working as much or maybe grandmothers and now we're finding ourselves completely um, workaholics just like men were. And I know that sounds bizarre but I think women, when we started obviously working a lot more and, and when I say more I don't mean just hours-wise, I mean kind of intention, ambition, like a, aggression to kind of win – it meant that we were all busy working instead mm. of just dudes busy working and women were like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the pub. You know, it was just a different kind of time. So now I find that apps in particular for some reason for chicks seems to be this great convenience because we want to build equality first, right, and we want to have that as our priority and the dating part is something that is so old school. You're yeah. kind of like, oh, well, meeting someone will just happen. That's the old way that we focus on. Now we need to focus on work and drive and fitness and friendships and that's all well and good but it means that apps have become incredibly important in that and they were for me I definitely put that very far um, down on the on the priority list even though I was on apps and I looked like I was putting it as a priority I was talking about wanting to meet someone I was dating someone I, I wanted to date people all the time but I didn't have any time and I looked at my dating life as an as the um, the same as my app life, which it didn't really equate to a real dating life, if I'm honest. And so when I decided to go off apps also, it was because of that exact point, is because I don't think I felt like being on apps for me was showcasing finding relationship as a priority. But that sounds so crazy because everyone's like, you've just taken out one of the main ways to meet people. But for me, it was actually the opposite. I got lazy on apps. Yeah. I wasn't proactive. You stopped going out there and meeting people I didn't genuinely. look at people in the eye. I, yeah. I didn't ask someone, do you know someone great for me? I just stopped doing all of that because I didn't have to. But you also, yeah, as you were saying before, like you're focusing hard on, on your career and that's just generally what, generally what happens, you know, like that takes the first priority and, you know, on the on the late shift, you're obviously working super, super hard mm. and it is hard to people, meet people in those kind of circumstances. So mm. you kind of are forced in a way to, to, to kind of go to the apps and that sort of thing because every, all the other kind of options are limited and yeah. then you're kind of left with just like weekends to meet people and yeah. by that point you're kind of exhausted because as you say you're working late shifts and you just kind of want to see friends or chill out yeah and I think there is that mindset of you know old school thinking that you do need to shift priorities because I don't think it's possible for you to have it all at once in the absolute uh, primo um, quality that you think you know that your career is absolutely skyrocketing and then you have all this time to really emotionally and energetically invest I think you can go to work and kill it and also then date at the same time or have a partner but I think in order sometimes to find that partner there's only so much and for me my work was so much my personal life there's only so much emotional energy I had to put in one or the other so I think it is something to keep in mind if you are listening and you are thinking well I'm trying to do it all 
you might need to put one at the top and be okay with that. It might not be dating for now, but be aware that the reason that maybe you're not meeting someone is because that's at number two or three for now. And maybe next year when you turn 29 or 33, then that will move to the top and energetically I don't know, your investment will change. Do you reckon you need to kind of do it more proactively though? Like I always think that people kind of push it back and say, I'll focus more on this next year. This year's just for my career. And I say this because my whole 2018 was focus on the career, work is first, and then personal life can come later. But then you kind of, you know, at the start of the year as always, you're kind of reflecting on the year prior and thinking to myself, well, you know, the biggest the biggest problem was there was, there was just no balance. So it was all about the work, which yeah. was great because that succeeded, but every other facet of my life has kind of suffered as a result. Yeah. So it kind of gets, it got me wondering. So, you know, that, that's where this is kind of coming from is, you know, is that, is that, does it, does there need to be a kind of conscious effort to, if you are going to kind of say, I'm going to turn around on this date and focus more on this stuff. I worry people push it back to like, you know, a year, a year down the line or two years down the line. Um, and then kind of we'll get to that point and think, geez, I've, I've thrown away a year or two where I could have been out there meeting people. Yeah. I think that it gets to a point where, when you want to put it a priority, you will. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like your job, right? Like when you get to a point where you're like, I, I need to achieve this particular point, maybe you need to go through and get to that point before you feel like you could properly invest in someone else. You know, I don't know. There could be a million reasons as to why you're putting it off as yeah. well as just putting it off. I do agree with you in the in the sense that I think we put things off much easier because apps are available to us. And so it makes you think that you're investing in relationships because you're swiping, yeah. but you're watching TV, <laughs> you're on the phone to your girlfriend and you're swiping at the same time. Like well, that's not investing. you're not with your girlfriend and swiping at the same time. No, you I, know I what I mean? Like your friend, saying. maybe your friend, your actual girlfriend is in mates. Yes, yeah, so you're I'm on the on phone. The, I'm on the flip side yeah, 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 where right. it would not be the right thing to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> Right, but Get if you're saying you're with a mate and you're talking about you know catching up tomorrow, you've got TV in the background and you're on an app, a dating app, just swiping across. That is not investing in dating, in my opinion. No, definitely, definitely. And like one thing you said before, like the way that kind of paradigm shifted and more kind of equality focus in in the business and how that all works now. In that, like one of the one of the companies that I do a lot of kind of mentorship for is women in tech, and I'm mm-hmm. working only with kind of female tech founders mm-hmm. and based on my experience and I know I'm going to cop some criticism for this, but the, the women I've worked with work so, so hard, mm. sometimes a lot harder than the, than the male founders that, that I hang out with. Well, I think it might be a ne- it's still a necessity yeah. to be able to achieve the same things. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, you know, I think off the tail end of that, like women have been focusing so hard on their careers and I've seen a small glimpse of it through, through that kind of mentorship program. But um, it's really exposed me to the fact that, you know, in the past, yeah, like men focus really hard on their career and there's that whole kind of imbalance. And now that um, now that everything's kind of starting to settle to where it should have always been, mm-hmm. you've now got kind of men and women who may both be really kind of uh, career oriented and really value that, but may, may never meet each other because they're always working so, so late. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, it's, it's again, just one of those, one of those things where I don't know how you kind of solve it, but maybe the dating apps can, can help in that circumstance. Yeah. But again, the laziness, right? So well, it's got to be a bit of both, yeah. right? We've got to be proactive in our own attempts, you know. I think, and that's with all apps. I think if we don't start to have some conscious um, sense of where we're putting our energy, in, whether it's Instagram or whether it's Tinder, then we're fucked yeah. essentially because the apps and businesses and technology is not going anywhere. So the only person that can change your behaviour is you because yeah. they're not they're not pulling back. 
In terms of dating and apps and, you know, you spoke about AI and, and, and looking forward, do you think that we've reached the point that kind of the main point of how people will meet each other in terms of technology or do you think that there's more developments to come that are going to shake things up in the dating world again? Yeah, interesting question. Um, so probably in terms of like what technology is capable of, we've probably only scratched the surface. Really? In, da- in from terms of a dating Yeah, in terms scenario. of the whole dating experience. So I think you obviously the, the artificial intelligence is one that could take it one level deeper in terms of matching you up with people mm-hmm. who want the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you familiar with like virtual reality, for yeah, instance? Yeah, so the whole yeah, idea yeah. of putting on goggles and you can't kind of walk through somewhere like they do it with games and real estate and that sort of thing where you can actually move your head around and see things. Yeah, I, I, I get it, but I don't understand how it is going to be infiltrated into our life. Yeah, well, the whole well, the theory, which I'm not sure if I agree with, but I've seen yeah. I've seen crazier things happen, yeah. is that, you know, the whole idea is you kind of put, in, put on these goggles and meet someone virtually for the first time. And so you'd put goggles on and then you'd have a catch-up with them that way. Yeah, exactly. What the f... Well, that's just the way things could go, right? So, like, that sort of technology exists to actually be somewhere right. with someone without actually being there. I oh. virtually, yeah. Which was it's just the bane of all the problems we just talked about. Oh, it takes it, it makes it even worse, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you think that that is, you know, are there any others where you think that the particular app system is going to change apart from, I guess, the matching algorithm? Um, it's tricky because you can kind of think about all the ways that technology could take it further, but yeah. the reality is we live in a world where we want things super fast-paced right. and Tinder is pretty much as fast paced yeah, as you that's can what I was get thinking I wonder if we've reached that point so it's not like you're going to sit there and have like a, a, a FaceTime call with someone instead of Tinder and yeah. that's the way you first meet like yeah. kind of like speed dating on your phone where you kind of see someone for a minute work out if it works and then keep going yeah I don't think that'd go because like it may work for some people but I think for the for the kind of millennials um, who just want to kind of meet someone um, and do it quickly, then I think that Tinder's kind of the sweet spot. I think that's a relief. I think at least we've got (laughs) to the level that we could probably go for the next, I don't know, this particular period of time before it starts to get really, you know, AI and virtual reality and we're looking at robots and, you know, people that can fall in love with you that aren't human. Yeah. You know, until we get to those kinds of... Which is being worked on That's right. But until we get to that kind of point, I think it is a relief that we're at least now quite familiar with dating apps and we've got a bit of an idea, just even this conversation has educated me so much more than what I knew, but it's just good to know the information and be mindful that it is a user um, experience in that you can control your experience with it. And I think that there isn't too many surprises left for us over the next few years at least. Yeah. Um, and we've got we've got some kind of a, I don't know, a bit. we've hit our stride a little bit with how these work and, and what we need to do to make it as, I suppose, enjoyable as possible for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. I think one kind of takeaway, like one tip I'd have for people if they want to have a kind of better experience and not make it so it's, you know, like make it a bit more genuine mm-hmm. is if you're going to keep using the apps, then kind of people keep open their like completely public, their link, sorry, their, their Instagram and their Facebook profiles. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really valuable if you kind of privatize your Instagram, if you're yeah. going to get on the apps and privatize a lot of your Facebook, like keep your profile picture, but not, not much beyond that. Yeah. And the reason I say that is it just creates more mystery. Like yeah. it creates things to talk about. You don't want to meet up with someone and they knew that you were in China two years ago doing God knows what. You know, you want, you want to leave that kind of process of sitting down and meeting someone, you know, the way it should be, which is sitting down and talking and hearing it direct from them, not just kind of scrolling through a feed and by the time you catch up with them, you already know everything there is to know about their last three years. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And it's actually a really good way to wrap up this episode 
episode because I really want at the end of each of these episodes on the Stacey June show to be some form of tool that the listener can take and put in their tool belt. And I want to see that tool belt over the series of these podcasts really build to be useful things that people can take with them. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, And I think it's a really good point because on one flip side, who wants to necessarily delete a really great way to be able to meet as many people as possible? But if you are thinking about continuing to keep that magic that dating was, there are ways like doing what you just said to maybe have the best of both worlds. And I think there's a lot of interesting discussions that are coming up about the way we live life met with tech and now we find ourselves very immersed in the psychology of our life and behaviour with tech. So I think what you're doing and the way you're exploring some of these um, ideas is really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for having me. No worries, no worries. This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.